passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rolling Sasha up. Shoulders are down. Ruby Riot off the distraction. Picks up the win for her team. Here are your winners. The Riot Squad. Oh, oh wait a second. What the hell? <laughs> I knew it. Bailey's had enough. Bailey from out of nowhere. Assaulting and attacking Sasha. It's it about time. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. Sasha can't believe it. It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello and welcome to Rewind Away. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting, and tonight we've got a mega show. A gigantic episode of Rewind to Raw. Way, it's Monday. That means another week. Are you ready? Are you excited for the week that is in store for us? So so excited. Yeah. Every every week is going to be a mega week from now oh, on. This summer, uh, it is the summer of post, and you can uh, get all up to date on our entire schedule of shows that Way and I have put together uh, via our post-production video. So if you are a double-double member, you can go watch this video now. And uh, we will be talking about all these shows in the days and weeks to come. But it's going to be a very, very busy summer. Have you been bracing for this way? Did you take an extra couple of hours this past weekend to just uh, lie back, take in some sun, have a lemonade with a, a straw? No. Uh, Did you do any of this? Uh, No, I didn't. Um, So... Yeah. You know, you're uh you've talked about the internet headaches in your area. Oh, they came by today, by the way. Okay, do you want to know why? Yeah, sure. Because it's now become a pretty big story in Toronto, these power outages, uh not power outages, but internet and phone use has been eliminated and global has been reaching out to Bell. And now all of these homes are being restored because the big problem, uh, they cited that um, 175 Bell customers in Scarborough have been affected by this. And I've been reading these articles and nowhere does it mention people that aren't even Bell uh, subscribers, such as yourself, being affected by this as well. The the fiber line installations, you mean? Yeah. Right. So the big issue here that uh, Global has been going after Bell for is because... You have people that are in their 90s 
that have no access to they can't call 911 if there's an emergency mm-hmm. and they've been without phone service for weeks now like yeah. 2 weeks without this and now bell has been restoring some of this and i guess they had given a, a comment about uh, all the issues going on but it just sounds like a mess way you are in the midst of all of this uh, yeah hopefully it's over right now cuz uh, uh somebody came by today and they they had to dig like not they had to basically bury a new cable right into my house so like they had to dig up like our 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 driveway and everything just just a real headache they had to dig up your driveway yeah to bury a new cable yeah wow have they restored it is it back to it looks, normal now it looks fine yeah it's fine wow and this yeah. was like several weeks. This was before your vacation that this all happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's better now. Am I, how do I sound? We're doing this via Skype. Am I, am I lagging at all? Uh, uh, you were going just fine. And then right as you said, I hope this is fine. You temporarily cut out there. So that. Oh God. Now you're cutting out. Jeez. Oh, no. Now you cut out. Comp- okay. Well, well, anyway. Uh, should I call you back? We really jinxed this, didn't we? Oh, God. I think we can leave that part in because that couldn't have been timed any better. Yeah, yeah, we really... All right. Okay, you sound you sound completely fine now. Okay. We might have to do this a couple times. So that's... So that's the update on Waze <laughs> Internet. Uh... Lots to discuss. Let us dive into things. First of all, folks, uh, you're listening to Rewind or Raw right now. But as you know, Monday nights we do a bonus show. And, Way, what are we going to be discussing tonight, By the way, uh, uh, at the Post Wrestling Cafe? Well, by the way, uh, you said bonus show and not what we used to call the show, which was the overrun. Well, we're conflicted now. Well, this is obviously uh, – <laughs> it's not obvious at all. But uh, our friends over at Voices of Wrestling uh, – They'll also do a Patreon bonus show that they call the Overrun, and it's not like they contacted us or anything. But I think, uh, out of respect for them, we'll we'll let them have the Overrun uh, term. Please go support them; they do a great series of shows. Um, and but what what are we going to call our bonus shows? Uh, well, we could call it the bonus show. I would yeah. like to throw it out to uh, the forum, so maybe you guys can throw out some ideas. Uh, I'm sure ninety percent of them will be awful, but I'm hoping for ten percent. Uh, usable names and if all of them are terrible we'll just come up with something lame like review a raw plus or uh rocking smack or uh, uh something terrible um that's that's the threat so maybe people can give us a name but for tonight it is the review a raw bonus show because you know all of our shows uh, everybody there's lots of wrestling shows out there i think everyone has to have everyone's back and they had the name first they should have it yeah I, this this really drove me crazy when I launched the MMA report and within three weeks, another show launched and they had no idea who I was. So it was not like they just, it was just a pure coincidence that two shows launched within three weeks of each other called the MMA report. And it was just like, ah, oh, do I change all of this? I had like a logo created. I had all this stuff produced for it. So I just went with it, but it always just kind of was, uh, you could have oh, added Sharon. you could have added an extra T to the end of report. Yeah, but it's not you're not pronouncing it any different. You're not pr- pronouncing Ruby Riot any different. That's true. That's true. So anyway, um we'll think of a different name. All right. Let's get into uh 
what is happening uh, on the bonus show that you can get at the Post Wrestling Cafe tonight. We will have his Total Bellas review, which I am extra excited for because I came across this article from Cosmo where they got a professional body language interpreter to dissect some photos of John Cena and Nikki Bella and assess their body language. And way I, I hope you have had a chance to read this article and mm-hmm. can give us the, the insight that we crave from you. Sure. I'll do my best. All right. I'm going to also have some, uh, just some quick thoughts on the WWE's UK card from a uh, Monday afternoon that aired on the network, not a full rundown. Uh, of course the British wrestling experience this Wednesday, they will be going through both nights of the Royal Albert Hall card. So we'll talk about that. Yep. And Way has also watched Being the Elite. Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially on our way towards All In, uh, coming up in in a in a, in a very short while, uh, I want to start going over a bit more of Being the Elite whenever possible, if they release the shows early enough. Uh, as well, Cody has started his own YouTube channel with his own YouTube series called All Us. I watched that. Yeah, I so, watch so that. we can briefly chat about that as well. Okay. All on the I, bonus I, show. Okay, that's all coming up on the bonus show. No one cares. Uh, they want to get to get to the meat of everything, and uh, we want to talk about the G one a little bit. Uh, but in terms, oh yeah, not so much. More. Yeah, not so much of uh, the actual wrestling that's going to be happening. It's a lot, but our coverage. Because for those that have been longtime fans of ours, you will know that we have done extensive coverage in the G one, uh, dating back to 2013, and this summer uh, we will be continuing that. Uh, Way and I are planning to have a show for each one of the of the tournament cards all 19 of them uh, we are planning to cover and this is going to be available uh, primarily for members of the post wrestling cafe so if you are on the fence um, I'm just going to say it I think it's a really good deal you can if you have not signed up six bucks if you time it out you get it for the month you'll get all these bonus shows and then you can do whatever you want but I think you will be uh, really happy with the coverage because we're going to be putting a ton of time uh, and resources into this. This is probably our major um, project of the summer is our G1 coverage, and you will have no shortage of shows. So for me, it's it's like this is my first G1 that I'll be watching every single match uh, as they occur. And I think for me, I'm almost in a sick way looking forward to this in very much like a Keep It 2000 social experiment type of way. How When will I crack? Will it be the first week? Will it be the second week? God, I'm I'm trying to think of what what all it'll be like when we get to the Budokan. Yeah, it might be a great tiebreaker question for a theoretical <laughs> contest, uh, which is something that we are also going to be doing, and that is uh, the first ever post wrestling G1 contest. How big is this? It's so big that if you go to postwrestling.com, a button has been created by waiting. Oh yes, this took me a while. Yeah, I had to call Iceland. Get our programmers online and work with them to create this button that you will see on the menu bar at postwrestling.com. Yep, we had to put in the request months ago. We had to get graphics approved. Uh, that took weeks and months. Uh, we had to. Uh, do, is, wait. do we include a dash between G and one, or do we take out the dash? I've noticed that, by the way, John. You've taken out the dash. Well, I was always a proponent of the dash because that's how I. I don't know. I typically associated with, but I've seen that it seem it, it it appears to be more prevalent without the dash. So I have eliminated the dash. You made some great strides this year. You you capitalized the D in SmackDown. Uh, that it. was a that was a big adjustment for me. <laughs> big adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. 
what else have I done? I, I feel like my um the period between AJ gone. Gone. Uh I've also uh I've also given up on the, the period between uh for UK. Mm. Yeah. It I'm not sure what the rule I think, is when it comes to all that. Yeah, I've kind of just I'm a big proponent of consistency. So mm-hmm. anyway, I have to make these big decisions and you, and you think about them. Like uh, I don't know if you how much you notice, but I've also now when I'm writing the time, if it's like 11:59 p.m., there is now a space between the number and p.m. Oh, I didn't realize that. You know, you, got, you should, we should make a style guide so I can follow the same. Well, I, I won't lie. I've got this program that it's it's this uh, grammar program, and it goes through everything I write, and it just it's just little things like adding a comma after the day of a week, uh, like if it's Monday. June 25th, like it'll tell you what to insert and just oh, little, great. little rules that have now, uh, just completely taken over my brain. So these are, this is stuff nobody gives a shit about, but this is the stuff I think about. Uh, anyway, our contest, it launches now. You can go to postwrestling.com, uh, forward slash. Uh, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> I have no idea. Which, whatever the slash is called. Slash G1 postwrestling.com slash G1. And there you can enter the contest and make your picks for the entire lineup of G1 matches. And you can enter now. The deadline is Thursday, July the 12th at 11 space (laughs) at 1159 space PM (laughs) Eastern time, Eastern time. Uh, So you have a good 24 hours plus before the G1 kicks off on July the 14th. Get all of your picks in, and then you can sit back and see how awful uh, some of your picks were when the first series of upsets occur. So you got about like uh, a little over two weeks in order to get your picks, but I urge everybody to just uh, get there and think about making these choices right away. Because I'll 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 just warn you guys: this is not necessarily a quick process. We're going to make you go through every single G one match. So that's what is it? Nineteen cards, five matches per card. Uh, Quick math, 90, 95 matches? Is that which, what this is? Which way you will be watching 95 <laughs> matches in oh the course God. of a month, which is really, it's really nothing in the grand scheme of what you probably watch. 98, in anyway. including the finals and, and everything, I guess. Yes, correct. Oh, my uh, So uh, there you go. Postwrestling.com slash G1, or just click on the button on the main page. And again, uh, for those that sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe this summer, uh, all $6 members and above, uh, you will get every G1 show, and we are going to do a free preview show, uh, a G1 primer. We did this ahead of Wrestle Kingdom. It was a very popular show, and it will be myself, Wei Ting, and WH Park. The three of us are going to do a whole preview of the G1 uh, for people that may be watching their first G1 ever. Uh, we will get you all prepared. This is like a crash course before the big exam, so you can tune into that show uh, July the 11th, which is the Wednesday before the G1 kicks off. And I'll say, like, uh, I, I did I did a trial run of the, of the contest, and it's it's a great way to, like, actually think about all the matches and really get yourself hyped up and a bit more invested in all the matches. So uh, World Cup fever is, like, uh, you know, pretty big right now in the city, and often I the only reason why I would watch any matches is if there was, like, an office pool going on, and I'm making these random picks. But uh, the G1 is very much like that, too. This is kind of our World Cup. And Wei and I are going to blow everyone's mind. Uh, we already have some prizes. Uh, we can uh, 
confirm right now that the top three finishers in this tournament uh, will all receive. Uh, we're probably going to put like a little prize pack together with some other stuff. Uh, but each of the top three finishers will receive a signed copy, autographed copy of eggshells pro wrestling in the Tokyo Dome by Chris Charles. Wow, I didn't know this. Who debuted his podcast companion show this week on our site, by the way. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to check that out, new show every Saturday, Chris Charlton going uh, year by year of wrestling at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, 1989 was this past Saturday, and this Saturday is 1990, featuring yours truly as the guest. So uh, lots of Japanese wrestling content on the site at the moment. Uh, those are some, I think these are our best plugs we've ever done with. Yeah. Okay. So, so the books. The books. And then it is, uh, I, I mean, way it's, it's everything in the post office that you can muster together that we can make a, a fun little post. Oh, okay. Prize gotcha. Pack. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you a bunch of goodies. Probably include some t-shirts in there. Uh, stickers. Definitely stickers. Yeah. So we're awarding the top three winners, basically. Is that right? I think so. Okay. I think that this is going to be one that it, it is not going to be. I don't think there will be any need for a tiebreaker given how much, uh, how many points are on the mm-hmm. table for everybody in this. So I hope we get a lot of people that join uh, this pool. So you can go join that now and then sit back and you can check out all of our G1 coverage coming up this summer. So let us move into Raw. Monday night from San Diego, California in the 619 Mm -hmm. at the Valley View Casino Center. And it started off with a memorial board for Big Van Vader. And this was it. This was the only mention of Vader on Raw, which I was surprised by. I was surprised this didn't get, um, you know, we've sarcastically discussed kind of the the tiered levels of of passings uh, of how they are acknowledged on the program, and this was um, this was a the bottom tier. This was just a memorial at the start of the show, mm-hmm. and I thought that Vader would have at least gotten uh, the video package. Uh, yeah, and the thing is, they they did make the video package that they put on .com in their YouTube uh, shortly after the news broke out. I mean, I feel like they also put a board up in NXT like that, which was which came like a day after the news. So um, this is the flat. This is the flagship show, right? Yeah, I'm assuming maybe it has something to do with the fact that you know it's 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 been like five days, and not to say it, it that really you know diminishes the the impact of this at all, but. Um, I, I do wonder. I do wonder because I agree with you. I feel like Vader has always been somebody that is has been in pretty decent standing with the company. He hasn't really done anything too controversial or out of line. Um, but I guess they kind of, you know, what's, I, I, what's the downside? What's the downside? Is one person no? complaining? No? Oh, did you? He died last week. Mm-hmm. Nobody is saying that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. Me, I, they I did make. It, a- I, I think it's just really letting them off the hook. To this could have. Major, major star in wrestling history. And WWE has, uh, they have tried to pump themselves up as the custodians of history, whether it is accurate or not. That is how they have positioned their Hall of Fame now. It is more than just the WWE. And I think that they have a responsibility when there's a major name like this, yeah. uh, that they they did the the work. They did the the piece. You're telling me you can't find two minutes in these three hours to play uh, a, a video. I agree. My my assumption is that he might be a pretty likely candidate for the Hall of Fame next year. 
Well, uh, the show started off with Kurt Angle and Baron Corbin in the ring. And there was lots of heat here, I thought, for Baron. As he demanded to be introduced by JoJo as Stephanie McMahon's personally appointed Constable of Raw, Baron Corbin, who seems to be morphing into a clown more and more, uh, I guess, hanging around Kurt. Corbin is, you think? Yes. Why do you say that? I think that? he's getting... Uh, um, I don't know if it's the the vest, the outfit, his actions. He just is... Uh, I don't know. There's a there's a comedic element to him that I, d- I don't know if this is going to be a win for him or to not. To me, like he's always been like such a <laughs> such a typical like um, schoolyard bully. That I mean, he's an adult playing like a child, basically. Like he's always been like that. But now I guess he's the adult who's playing the child who um, got his first suit. He looks like he's a member of OVE now. The the Impact Tag Team. With the uh, the vest that he just wrestles in, so the storyline they are doing now is that Paul Heyman put out this Facebook post uh, addressing rumors of Brock Lesnar's status and essentially stating that there's no one ready to face Brock Lesnar. And Angle uh, goes to discuss this when Roman Reigns interrupts, comes out. Then Bobby Lashley comes out, and Angle announces that. The, the multi-man match at Extreme Rules is off because there was a snag in the contract and Brock uh, is assessing his options outside of the WWE. So what's yeah, going on they, here? What's the story here? I, I don't think that there's any uh, there's any real story to this. I think this is just the storyline that they're playing with Brock um, that I'm kind of surprised they didn't. Um, address the the main event for extreme rules on this show and uh if they are i don't know if they're actually changing it i don't know if it could end up being a multi-man match or if it's going to be lashley and reigns uh but i am fairly confident lesnar is defending that title at SummerSlam, and this is just their like this is obvious storyline with Heyman posting like a very in-character post on facebook for sure but i mean why would they go through the trouble of setting it up last week um and then having i guess and, or like I, I don't know. It was, match and, and just it, it was very, off. it was very strange. I don't know if they have made uh, maybe just changes to this card, and this is maybe tonight they just want to do the tag scenario with Reigns and Lashley because by the end of this segment, it felt like Lashley versus Reigns is what they are building to for Extreme Rules. That feels like the match. It's that one. I mean, it's all the other ones. It's Balor versus Corbin. It's you know Owens versus uh, Strowman. It's. It just seems like uh, they they are. It, it definitely felt like they are dropping that multi man match that they set up last week. So Lashley comes out and he wants to hear this as well, and he's upset that Reigns has had his chance for three years and he needs to just move on from Brock. So Reigns comes back and says, "Move on," kind of like what you did ten years ago, and he says, "Some of you may not know this." But Bobby Lashley was in the main event of WrestleMania, and then he quit to go become a big star in MMA, which is quite the way of positioning what happened with Bobby Lashley 10 years ago. And he says about going to become a big star in MMA, how did that go? And I was waiting for Lashley to grab the mic and say, pretty fucking good overall. (laughs) Like, not too damn bad. (laughs) And Reigns just said, you really made a big impact, didn't you? And instead, Reigns main evented four WrestleManias in a row, and he tells Lashley to check his resume. 
before he runs his mouth. So Lashley is kind of coming off as just like an, an idiot here. But then he gets to come back here. He says not to downplay his own background. He's the only one with legit tools to beat Brock. And uh, this is when Angle explains the multi-man match being off and Reigns informs Lashley what kind of character Lesnar is, someone that doesn't respect anyone. And he doesn't give a shit as Angle cuts him off before he can say shit. So edgy. Uh, And Lashley says that maybe Brock wants someone legit. He's tired of standing across the ring from Roman Reigns and staring at his face just like all these people. And Reigns makes a challenge to Lashley. Angle will consider a singles match between the two of them. For Oh, my God. Did you hear that? Yeah. Was, was that Google Home or Alexa? <laughs> uh, that was uh, Google Home, and I don't know why it went off. These things are frightening, by the way. Yeah. I, I completely want to throw this thing off my balcony. I'm paranoid. It's like hearing me. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, before the revival comes out, uh, what did you what did you make of the the segment here with with Lashley and with Reigns? Was this a, a positive for Bobby Lashley? Because I thought he did cut a a serious promo. He did come back at Reigns. Yes, he did. I mean, I thought they did pretty well with these two. To me, both of these don't. At least at the beginning of this segment, neither felt like a fan like fan fan favorites to me yet. Um, you know, Roman is Roman, and I think Lashley coming off of the Sami Zayn thing still has yet to really, uh, really let this audience hook onto him. But I thought the back and forth in this segment was pretty good, and I thought it it, it built up the grudge pretty well between the two. Um, but I'll say I I feel Lashley's delivery is probably to me still a bit wooden. He really hasn't shown me any charisma on the microphone yet in his WWE run. It's not terrible, but I wouldn't say he's been good either at least uh, on the mic so then the revival comes out and they want another chance corbin agrees and he makes the match uh, overstepping kurt's authority and we get the rematch roman reigns and bobby lashley against the revival uh reigns is hitting repeated clotheslines to dawson and it calls with the superman punch but wilder pulls him to the floor we get a double drive by on the floor they go through a commercial break and had the advantage on roman and this is when uh, one of our uh, one of our listeners, readers, Stephen Watts, uh, sent us this clip where the referee apparently w- there was a close up of Bobby Lashley's headband with a prominently displayed Nike logo, and the referee goes over and whispers something to Lashley, and he flips the the headband around so the logo is not seen, and then he gets tagged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a neat little Easter egg type of thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I wonder if that would have been an issue before the tap out deal. Um, you know what? Uh, Vince McMahon has always been super sensitive about outside sponsors that are not paying to be uh, featured on, on programming. That was a big thing CM Punk brought up, the fact that he had the opportunity uh, to get sponsors on his on his trunks and it was turned down. And then Lesnar was able to get that deal having, having sponsors that... Um, that's just always been something that I mean. Just look at the look at the canvas. Look around. That it's always been a very clean look they've wanted for the WWE. They don't put logos on the mat, and they could easily sell that space without any issue. Mm-hmm. And they never do. Um, the hot tag is made to Lashley. He's delivering suplexes, and then as he goes for the spear, Reigns tags himself in and hits Wilder with a Superman punch. 
Then Reigns calls for the spear, and Lashley tries to tag in. Reigns avoids the tag. Dawson runs at them, knocking Lashley off. Reigns spears Dawson, but he's not the legal man Wilder is, who rolls up Roman Reigns from behind. And in 2018, Dash Wilder pinned Roman Reigns on an episode of Raw at 13 minutes and 9 seconds. Definitely a surprising finish. I mean, you know, this was a pretty long match. I would say most of it to me was rather forgettable, just like last week. But uh, a very surprising finish that I show that I think shows that they are, you know, maybe a lot more now than than even before. A lot more willing to sacrifice a major babyface losing for the sake of a story. They did it last week with, with Seth, and they're doing it this week with Roman. And you know, it's totally cool. Like when the hero suffers, it gives him an, an obstacle to overcome. Here, Roman, because he doesn't trust Lashley, I guess, lost the match. So he has to learn to work with him. Um, I felt like in the matches where Bobby, I think, really starts to shine a bit. Uh, crowd, this was a very like good crowd, good, obedient crowd, I would say, in San Diego. And they really got behind Bobby Lashley, reacted well for the hot tag. Um they booed a lot, of course, for Roman when he tagged himself in, and I found Roman almost as a, acting like a complete heel here in this match. Uh, but uh, I thought Lashley got a good reaction. Most of this match seemed typical, but the finish, to me, changed my mind about the segment overall. Lashley just browbeat Reigns, and he told him, when I tag in, let me finish it. And he walks off, and they gave Lashley the last word here, and... Uh, I imagine we get another tag match next week, and then that's when you shoot your angle of whatever you're doing with Reigns and Lashley, which um, I don't know this, but it certainly feels like that's going to be the top Raw match at Extreme Rules. I would say so, yeah. I mean, you know, Braun looks to be paired with Owens. Uh, I don't really see another match kind of taking its place uh, in that top spot. But can I just, I mean, before we even get to some of the other matches on the show, uh, they totally overdid the unwilling tag team partners thing on this edition was, overall. They were making fun of it on this show. Oh, God. It was way too much of it. That was the theme in how many matches on this show to the point that Corbin was mocking Kurt Angle for the lack of originality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the, the story of the show. Matt Hardy did a promo on the B team with Bray. Um, just every promo these two have ever done. They come out. Uh, but they go to commercial break first, and what's notable about this commercial break is not that there was any um, cough syrup or steak sandwiches that McDonald's is peddling in 1991, but instead there was an ad for WWE 2K19. It was the debut of the big commercial spot, and the concept was that you had uh, various performers wearing Rey Mysterio masks with the final reveal being Rey Mysterio announcing back he just says i'm back Mm -hmm. and he is the pre-order character uh, for the video game and there's apparently going to be a second uh pre-order character um that most uh, believe will end up being ronda rousey Uh, but this was um Mm. not a secret that ray mysterio was uh featured in this ad i believe it was uh ryan satin who had uh posted this about uh, Jeff Hardy and Rey Mysterio posting a photo together recently, which I believe was this shoot. But anyway, he's the mystery character. Uh, He's not on that Cow Palace show. And I would be, I mean, he was pretty adamant about he was going to work for New Japan, but I just don't know when he is. And this seems to solidify um, him being in bed with the WWE. 
So you think that Dominion thing was it for now? I don't think at that time that that was going to be it. But how, like, the plan was that he was he was going to be on the Cow Palace show. Right. And he's not on the Cow Palace show. So he's not doing the G1. I mean, he could do the G1 finals, but if not that, it's you're going to have to hold off until the fall with this guy. Mm-hmm. And I just get the sense if he didn't do the Cow Palace show, I, I would imagine that it's hardly a lock. He's going to end up doing New Japan. Do you expect him at SummerSlam? Um, It's possible. Mm. I, I think it all comes down to if the WWE was willing to sign this guy to a, just limited dates because he makes a lot of money. Uh, working outside the WWE, and he makes his own schedule. So this guy's not coming back to do 150 matches a year. Uh, and right. I think Bray is, is is worth that kind of a deal if you're the WWE, and more importantly, uh, withholding him from any other companies out there that are are trying to get traction at the moment. He's also a featured uh, you know, uh, a star now of this video game, and you, we know that they have money uh, for, for promoting people with that. So... Uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ray ended up in a, in a very prominent role at SummerSlam, just like how uh, maybe, you know, Sting, uh, for, for his video game run, ended up getting a, a, a big spot at WrestleMania, of course, and then a um, main event with uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, I like the ad a lot. I mean, they've, they're always so good. And I thought this one was a lot more simple, probably cost a lot less than the Seth Rollins Burn It Down ad last year. But it was still really cool and and really great to see like the spotlight on Rey Mysterio, who, I mean, let's be honest, you know, for much of his uh uh the end of his WWE run wasn't really treated with this type of uh you know reverence. So I hope as a result of this ad and being featured here that they do give him a, a big run. How about being the guy that they didn't even want to sign after WCW went out of business? Mm-hmm. Definitely. He had to wait, and then he finally got in at the at the behest of the talent in the company that were just pleading, "Bring this guy in." I would have and loved, now, yeah. And now he's he's the, he's one of the major selling points of their video game. And you know, I I also look ahead to the fact that you are definitely running out of big names for your Hall of Fame headliners. Mm-hmm. That uh, I don't know if Ray headlines a Hall of Fame, but could certainly be the second so. biggest name on a Hall of Fame. I I believe you could put Ray in. I mean, I, I think his popularity is gigantic is is there a, a more popular latino wrestler is there a more a more po- popular luchador that's existed i mean okay in north america let's say yeah i think you should qualify worldwide yeah. as well sure I mean, yes yeah. in mexico no but worldwide uh, like to me Rey mysterio uh much more popular than a sting who headlined a hall mm-hmm. of fame yeah uh, i'm sorry nate but just on a <laughs> on a global basis uh I if if they were really in a pinch, I I think Ray could headline a Hall of Fame in the next year or two. Yeah, the only thing I wish uh, they did in this segment was I would have loved to have seen the the reaction in uh, San Diego to this ad. So, uh, I mean, they were in commercial break. I guess they couldn't really do it, but I think in San Diego the reception probably would have been quite special. Yeah, and I wonder if airing this early was strategic with the idea that wow, I wonder if Ray is going to be at this show. Hmm. Yeah, but he wasn't. Uh, it may, may have been backstage. I have no idea, but it didn't appear on screen. The B team did another Matt and Bray parody promo, and they had something last week, and this one felt like we were going to the well again. Uh, this felt, uh, I'll say this, Curtis Axel felt like he did nothing but watch Matt Hardy promos all week and was just trying to cut a Matt Hardy promo, whereas Bo Dallas felt like he didn't, practice this at all it just comes naturally to him doing 
his brother. It oh, just yeah. felt so so natural. And yet Axel, it just felt like the guy that was probably rehearsing and practicing this over and over. And it just felt like such a mechanical uh, regurgitation of the Matt Hardy character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason why they save uh, Bray Wyatt's uh, or Bo Dallas's Bray Wyatt for last. Because it, it is the only thing that I think saves these segments. Uh, like you said, I thought last week it worked. This week, definitely not as strong. The material wasn't as strong. I think the even even Bray uh, the Bo Dallas's Bray Wyatt impression didn't really hit as well for me. So I mean, I think the B team listen. They have they're amusing. I would say purely due to the fact that they are positioned as the comic relief on the show. Uh, sometimes they hit, but personally, for the most part, I I just don't find them that funny. Yeah, I, I thought they had a good segment last week. This one just felt like we were we were trying to hit the same joke again that we we got last week. Um, Matt Hardy took on Curtis Axel. Uh, what would a odd match this was? Matt went for the superplex and then he fell down to his back with Axel landing on top, pinning him in 55 seconds. And the announcers explained that he slipped and it looked like he just took a, just looked like he collapsed off the second turnbuckle. And that was it. That was the end of this match. And then they had a standoff and this tag match, this throwaway tag title program is going to be extended and not occur until extreme rules. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is like an almost two month build for this. For this is this glorified raw. Oh, that's true, yeah. Um yeah, I mean not nearly enough here to get me excited about this match in any way. I mean, I do think they have something with the impressions, but I would like to see them go a lot further with it. Like I'd like to see the B team actually go out to the compound, do something, you know, very special, uh and actually entertaining. Um but beyond that I I mean the little preview I got here the matches that I've seen with any of these teams I you can't get me that excited about seeing this match at all. Okay, I have to interrupt here. Okay. So I'm I'm multitasking here. I'm I'm looking up on on Twitter. I, I just wanted to see if if Ronda Rousey did like a, a dark uh, segment or anything after Raw went off the air, and it doesn't seem like uh, she did. However, the best comments here. Okay, here are two. Even though it seems disgusting on what the pathetic bully Mickey James is doing, one can't sadly disagree with her. Ronda Rousey, who this woman tags, shouldn't be known as the baddest woman on the planet, but as the entitled, the entitled, spoilt brat in the planet after her behavior last week. And then here's the, the one other. Where are, you reading, stop- where are you reading the comments? Th- these are just random Twitter comments. Oh, okay. Can we stop pretending that at Ronda Rousey is a good person? She's attacked non-combatants, armbarred Stephanie McMahon, who already had a busted arm. Kayfabe or not. Come on, Raw. That's not even mentioning shit in UFC. Dot, dot, dot. Kayfabe or not? What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, I think she believed that Stephanie McMahon may have had a... It's like she's acknowledging Stephanie McMahon already had a bad arm in storyline. Oh, okay. And what R- Rousey shot on her <laughs> at WrestleMania. Well, I don't know, but me- these are great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Mm. Anyway, uh, if anything gold comes across, I will I will let everyone know. Anyway, um, that made this Matt Hardy segment entertaining for me. They recap the Bailey Sasha Banks angle from last week, and then Banks is throwing a hissy fit with Kurt Angle, but unfortunately, we couldn't eavesdrop. The authors of Pain are back, and they're walking backstage. Acom just shoves this poor production assistant. And they are confronted by Titus Worldwide. 
And Titus is not happy at this. He says that here at WWE, we like to show the production members uh, respect and they get blown off by AOP who just say thanks, but no thanks. Um, This was somewhat uh, comical because uh, Titus O'Neil had this lawsuit filed against him because he ended up attacking one of the uh, swerved uh, uh, Mm -hmm. production members. Yeah. He was, I guess, not expecting a camera to be in his face and made some physical contact with the guy. Uh, and then here we have uh, Titus standing up for the uh, the production team here at Raw. Oh, he's been through that sensitivity training now. He knows how much he, it costs. Maybe he, went through, maybe he went through counseling, yeah. which is the key to any outlandish actions on WWE programming. Mm-hmm. So then we got a big video package on the Authors of Pain with a title sponsor of Sonic. And then the returning Alicia Fox, who was cleared last Monday, she was back uh, and literally was just backstage uh, with Bailey. They hugged, and then Kurt walked in and sent Alicia on her way. And God knows when we'll ever see that woman again. Yeah, I hope she had a dark match or something because she got dressed up. They did the makeup. They did everything. And, I mean, no match. Bailey doesn't want to talk about Sasha. So Kurt says, well, you have to team up tonight. Because you two are too valuable on Raw. I was like, huh? what? Huh? You two are too valuable on Raw as a unit. And they're going to have to team with Ember Moon against the Riot Squad tonight. Uh, he should have just explained that, you know, we're really low on the heel side at the moment. So turning one of you at the moment is just not ideal. So you two have to team as baby faces tonight with Ember Moon to take on the Riot Squad because... It's just the the heel babyface depth charts are just out of whack if one of you were to join the dark side. I guess so, yeah. Well, I guess if I guess we'll see if they can get along. What 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 were what were your thoughts after the segment? I mean, uh hmm? like likely or unlikely that they would get a long way. I mean, this was really edge of your seat kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, probably not. The authors of pain took on Rex and Rich Gibson. Corey Graves compared the Gibsons uh, to members out of a Peter Pan play. Uh, Rex and Rich were sent to the floor. Graves had his doubts that their last names were Gibson. Um, These appeared to be uh, Hispanic, uh, maybe brothers, close friends. Uh, Akam then ran him into the turnbuckle off the shoulders like uh, Hiromu Takahashi does. And then they hit the last chapter for the win in 64 seconds. And then there was a post-match attack with Titus Worldwide making the save. I, you know, there was some stuff that, like, uh, what's what's his name? Um, Acom and, and who? Razor. Razor, yeah. Razor drops this poor kid, like, right onto the edge of the apron from the ups- uh, outside, inside of the ring. Um, I mean, I thought this was a pretty entertaining squash, but it beat brief. So, you know, decent show, showing by AOP. They're really just kind of big bullies at this point. I went down a rabbit hole on the weekend. I was just f- fixated on watching some Vader squash matches, which once you watch uh, one, man, did they become addictive. Like, this guy just murdered people. Mm. Murdered them. Anyway, so. Angle and Corbin were backstage arguing about Bailey and Sasha being a team, and Angle making all these teams tonight that are going to implode. So Finn Balor walks in, and he's upset that this multi-man match is off. 
Baron brings up how he pinned him last week, and Finn started calling Baron a manager at TGI Fridays with the vest he's wearing. Braun Strowman entered the room, and he felt bad for Kevin Owens, and he's going to try and be his friend. He wants to team up with him tonight and suggests facing Balor and Corbin. Angle loves this idea of combustible teams, and the segment ended with Balor looking at Baron Corbin and stating, Check, please. Funny Finn. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they'll get along. <laughs> Lots of bets to place. Alexa Bliss and Mickey James came out to start the second hour, and we got the longest recap ever of the Money in the Bank cash-in and last week's angle with Ronda that led to her suspension. Mickey introduces her, calls Rousey an angry maniac, and Bliss calls Ronda the baddest woman in the planet. In the planet. Hmm. How would you prefer? On, the baddest woman on the planet or in the planet? Uh, I would say on. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. But it's weird. Like, when you're within a country, you don't say, you know, the baddest I'm woman. I'm on the United States or I'm on Scarborough, mm-hmm. Ontario. Yeah. I'm in Scarborough, Ontario. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm not uh, too concerned about either one i i think that bliss can have a her own interpretation of the positioning on the planet um amanda nunez though probably has a big issue with that statement and not the word in mm-hmm. but rather uh baddest then we got a big we want rousey chant and bliss had to cut this long long promo and to her credit she just powered through it and she was Battling through the what chance, she seemed to get um, a little hung up at certain points. It was just a really long promo. It was just one of those. It was just like way too much writing here. And I don't know what it was, but after she starts running down Nia Jax, um, the crowd just seemed to really intensify. Mm-hmm. And they, they hated these two to the point that I was convinced there was some fight in the crowd. But no, they were panning the crowd. They were all fixated on the ring and they were booing and this almost just felt like a like a near Vicky Guerrero moment uh, for like two minutes of this at the end where they just seem to really hate these two definitely yeah she the, I, I'm with you like I don't exactly know where the turning point was but there was some point where like this crowd just decided uh to really get into this and they they Alexa got a ton of heat here yeah it was just strange like they went from like fucking around with her with the what chance to Given the most desired reaction possible. Mm-hmm. Natalia came out and she said the countdown is on. 23 days until Rousey returns. And it was right at this second. I was really hoping Ronda wasn't going to do some surprise running. I kind of like this countdown that each week, like it's actually going to be a big thing when Ronda shows up. It's going to be a big reaction. You know she's coming. And you, you could have a whole episode of Raw where Alexa's just looking over her shoulder the whole episode. And when's Ronda going to show up? And... You've got a month to just build the tension for this. Certainly, yeah, I like the countdown too. Keeps you in your keeps her in your memory. Um, I didn't think she would show up here. I think that would be giving up too quickly. Well, she was still WWE took down. They weren't advertising her on the website, but locally, um, the San Diego arena that they were at, they were still advertising Ronda on the site as of today. Hmm. So, uh, anyway. No Ronda on the show. Uh, Natalia's out, and 
they mentioned the fact that she had left Lake Tahoe where the Total Divas were filming uh, while on vacation. So there's a little teaser way for their next season. Oh, great. And they got on Natalia for her heavy social media posts and stating you don't have to post your entire life on social media. And this audience started to applaud Alexa when she said that. Well, there's there's nothing wrong with Alexa's thought process no. on you know, some restraint when it mm-hmm. comes to what to throw out to the world. Read a book, everybody. Go play yeah. outside. Absolutely. And Natalia stated, I didn't come back from Tahoe alone. And Nia Jax accompanies her. These two were at each other's throats a few weeks ago, but they're besties now. Oh, I don't even remember that. Well, when they had their match and then Natalia messed up her knee. That's right. I guess I guess Nia was trying to... uh Preserve their friendship. But right. now, all, all those problems are behind them. Uh, apparently, during the commercial break, there was a... This was from a, another one of our, our followers, Ron Rampino, who noted there was a, a commercial in New York City um, where they have changed the, the wording in the commercial that now says, Rhonda may be banned from Raw, but she is not banned from Madison Square Garden. So Rhonda will be appearing on the card July 7th at Madison Square Garden uh, because we know Madison Square Garden would never ban an individual. Hmm. Okay, sure. Whatever. Just promote, just promotions. Yeah. Alexa Bliss and Natalia non-title match. Uh, Bliss was in control for a long period of time. And I guess as a tribute to this being the, uh, the anniversary uh, today of Antonio Noki, Muhammad Ali, Bliss was on her back and kicked out the knee of Natalia. Oh, that has to be exactly what they were going for. I'm sure. I'm sure Alexa was. Uh, she read my update today. Right. Probably. Probably watched the whole 15 rounds. And well, Natalia's- I mean, yeah, I guess if maybe if Tyson Kidd may book this and or, or or put this match together, it's possible. Uh, maybe I would have made it more of an emphasis of the match. Just keep Alexa on her back the whole time and just kicking away at Natalia. Uh, Bliss attempted this guillotine that Natalia broke out of with a Michinoku driver and. Then Mickey is distracting from the floor, leads to Bliss dropping Natalia with a forearm, but then Nia trips Alexa, who is caught by Natalia, placed into the sharpshooter, and Alexa taps out at four minutes, seven seconds. Bliss is just carrying Alexa in her arms, and Bliss is selling it like she's been knocked out as she just stumbles away on the floor. Pretty good match, I thought. Uh, They really got the crowd into it, and I'm sure Alexa's promo beforehand definitely helped. Uh, San Diego certainly seemed to like this, and I, I, I thought that match was pretty good. Charlie is backstage with Seth Rollins and asks him about your mindset. And he's making no excuses about last week. He's had a full seven days to let that loss motivate him. Ziggler's going to get the best version of him, and McIntyre has a front row seat for it. Great. Jinder Mahal and Sunil were having a photo shoot done when the Riot Squad showed up, took the... Poor production man's camera. These production guys were just getting harassed this whole episode. I'm waiting for them to join uh, join a, an alliance together, fight mm-hmm. back. The union. Uh, Ruby takes this camera and just smashes it. Like, what the hell? Yeah, this one hurt. This one definitely cost more than $200. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, wh- like what a waste for such a shitty backstage segment, too. Like, this, this was a money-losing Backstage segment. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, they lost at least like $1,500 on this thing. 
Jinder and Sunil just put their hand up saying Shanti as they react calmly to this really egregious act and completely uncalled for by the riot squad. Yeah, I mean, Jinder's definitely uh, going a, a lot more towards this whole, uh, what is it, like, tranquility, uh, tranquilo type of character, and uh, I would say a, a much more stereotypical... I, I, ho- I hope he becomes a... What? Yeah, he should just be a pacifist that never wrestles. Well, that's what he's... <laughs> that would be great. Um, but he's definitely going the more, I would say, stereotypical uh, Indian uh, comedic route, so... I, I wouldn't expect this Jinder Mahal to be in the main event picture anytime soon. Yeah, he's he's doing the character Sanjay Dutt did for a period of time no, no. In, in TNA, uh, which is... I think it's a step it, back in 2018. I, I think it's say, very... Not to say Jinder Mahal, I mean, you know, not to say the alternative was that much better, but come on, get, hardly original. Yeah, it's very stereotypical. I yeah. just think it's very, you know, it's... it's I don't know. Um, it, to me, it's a, it's a real sign of where they are at with this guy's push. Like it, it's done. He's, we put these resources into him. He has a spot on the show, but that is it. He has a, a spot on a three hour show. Uh, then we had the riot squad taking on Sasha Banks, Bailey and Ember moon. And the tension was thick here way as Bailey and uh, Sasha made their way to the ring. And we're just giving each other the, the look of death. Corey Graves was definitely in a mood here. He knocked the Mountain Goat song that they just released for Sasha Banks when Michael Cole called it a hit song, and Corey said, doesn't someone have to listen to it for it to be a hit? Ooh. Yeah. I haven't heard it, so... (laughs) Can't judge. Uh, Graves says that Ember Moon is the glue here, and he mentions that it's like uh, being in a fight with your significant other. And then you have that one friend that likes both of you trying to intervene and how it never works out as it feels like Corey's it looks like Corey's using Roz for his counseling. Hmm. Yeah. She's uh, we also had these the sonic uh, plugs throughout this show where Michael Cole, poor Michael Cole, had to continually push these chicken tenders with the tagline. It's so flavorful and crispy. It's Flispy. Hmm. Alrighty. Um I'm I'm ready to wrap this thing up. Like this whole this shit is just so uninteresting to me. Sorry. Oh my <laughs> they god. They did go through a commercial break. The tag was made to Sasha, who attacked Ruby, knocked Morgan and Logan off the apron, and then missed the double knees. Moon went for a rolling elbow onto the floor on Logan. And then Liv distracts Sasha on the apron. Uh, Sasha turns around inside cradle. Ruby pins her at 639. The match ends and Sasha is seated there. And Bailey just sprints at Sasha and starts pounding the hell out of her. This crowd goes wild for this. Mm-hmm. It's the most aggression Bailey is showing. She's stomping her in the corner. The crowd's chanting yes. She lifts up Sasha, dumps her on the floor, throws her into the steps. The crowd is chanting Bailey. And then Bailey is so into it, she goes right up to Sasha on the ground and yells, You ain't shit, Sasha. And they had to censor her. And then continues going, You think you're better than me? And 
I don't know if this was designed to be a heel turn for Bailey, but she felt like the most over babyface possible here. Definitely. I, I mean, I would say uh, to me, neither of them has really shown, uh, I would say, such blatant heel or babyface traits. Or maybe they've both shown such uh, what in the past would be blatant heel traits that it, it kind of cancels each other out. I would say not. Uh, I, I can't really definitively say that either one is a heel right now. But certainly this was, uh, I think, over the two weeks, both women exchanging their most aggressive sides towards the other. Um, I mean, this was certainly a lot more drastic than throwing a water bottle at a rental car. Yeah, I, I l- listen, this, this feud's been horrendous, but this was definitely the, the high point so far mm-hmm. of it. And just to have an audience react to Bailey like this, I mean, you've had to go to some incredible lows uh, to get something positive here for this feud. Uh, but I-, I thought coming out of this, this was Bailey just not literally not putting up with any shit any longer from Sasha. I guess so. Yeah. She yeah. feels like the baby face to me, whether it was designed like that or not, that's how the audience took it. And I hope that's uh, where they run with it. Cause uh, I-, I would not have predicted high on my likely and unlikelies um, that Bailey would be censored on raw in 2018 for yelling shit. Yeah. Her music that they, the theme music that they played at the end of the segment, it seemed so ill fitting after a beatdown <laughs> like this. Like she's standing yes. over Sasha after attacking her, and then it's dan, 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 dan. like it's like it, it almost feels like creepy in a way. Like like hearing "Stand by Me" at the end of "Be on the Mat," that type of juxtaposition. Um, but I like this more aggressive Bailey. I hope she can bring it out not maybe yeah maybe all the time even but i i certainly think she needs some type of change in character in order to freshen her up sasha needs that too but bailey especially so i hope they kind of go on with this more aggressive bailey kurt angle is backstage with referee john cone and he wants to see bailey after kevin owens walks in thinks it's crazy as the team with stroman and talks about how he was thrown off a 40 foot ladder Angle thinks this can be the start of a beautiful friendship. Great. No way Jose was out with the conga line when uh, Mojo Raleigh entered, and he is embarrassed to be here for this rematch, and he asks why the, the conga line is here, and you have to earn the right to walk down a WWE ramp and get into this ring, and the conga line have not earned that right, and neither has Jose. And it was so quiet that this one fan was so audible as he yelled, you're boring, you're pitiful, at Mojo. Mojo then interviewed Todd from the conga line, who was dressed up like a cheeseburger, and not the Ring of Honor version. And the whole crowd started chanting Todd, and Mojo said this is the closest he'll ever get to being a WWE star. This is the pinnacle of his existence. And he tells Jose, you are not getting a rematch. So Jose confronts him, and what does Jose get for standing up to the bully? He gets pounded on and dropped with a right hand as the crowd chanted, We want Todd, and Mojo left. They put a a lot of focus on Todd here, and the reaction was such that, I mean, I feel like they had to have seen this coming. I have to assume that they would bring Todd back, don't you? Oh, Todd, Nicholas. Yeah. I think it's just... I don't even think it's a case of any of these characters being over. I think it's just the audience just wants to be entertained by anything. It's like, just give us something. 
Give us something stupid. Well, I mean, like somebody like a Todd or like a James Ellsworth, they like they stand out on this show of like like Adonises, where everybody is just like cast perfectly. They're like genetically superior, and then you see this very, very, very average man dressed in a cheeseburger outfit in Todd, and even the name Todd is just so plain that. I mean, it really stands out. And if you're the audience, I, I, I could totally see you wanting... I want to see more of Todd. I want... Imagine if Todd, like... <laughs> like, just, like, took the the cheeseburger off and just, I don't know, delivered a Whopper. To, oh, to Mojo, God. Yeah. Way, way. Really stepping on my territory there. Um, I'm sure we'll get Todd back next week for this uh, this riveting program with with Mojo and... Poor Jose. Angle met with Bailey. And Kurt Kurt's conclusion to that segment and Bailey's attack on Sasha was I guess you don't care about Raw or the women's evolution. <laughs> you've you've taken women back. And next week he's sending Bailey to counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay, if this is if this segment next week is anybody but Dr. Shelby. I think it would be a disappointment. My expectations are not high, but we will await what happens next week. This does not sound promising. Bailey in an acting role. Um, uh, is it going to be her and Sasha in counseling together? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Listen, Maybe. they they did some really good stuff tonight with with uh, with Sasha with Bailey here. And I, I mean, immediately I could see them extinguishing that heat because uh, by putting them together, putting the two of them in a team again next week, uh, and just kind of making this a, a lot more comedic than it probably needs to be at this point. I just want someone to have the photo ready for next week of uh, Bailey and Sasha together in a counseling segment and uh, contrast it to the finish of the first TakeOver Brooklyn card. And let's just put those photos together, yeah. and that, and that sure. will be your NXT call-up yeah. transitional phase. Let's put Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa in counseling. Oh my god! This week on NXT, like you, you laugh about that stuff. It's like I'm fully prepared that when those two are brought up to the main roster, it will be like there will, there will be such a reduction in those those two characters. You know, one's a show that's made for uh, older. Children and another show is made for younger children. So there you go. Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens, uh, the the big and small child, took on the other big and small child, Baron Corbin and Finn Balor. This is strange. They worked this like it was a mixed tag where Braun and Corbin were in together and then Owens and Finn were automatically tagged in together. Like they couldn't... Um, crossover between the sized differences. Maybe there's there's weight classes that have been instituted here. Strowman and Owens ended up working together uh, with a cannonball splash combination in opposite corners, and they ended up getting along here. Strowman did his run around the ring, knocking down Balor and Corbin with shoulder tackles, and he sent Owens to do it, and he knocked down Balor, and then he sprints into a Baron-Corbin clothesline for the comedy spot. Strowman gets thrown into the post. Balor's setting up for the drop kick when Corbin blind tags himself in. If you think that sounds familiar, welcome to Monday's Raw. And Balor knocks him to the floor. Corbin trips Balor. They fight up the ramp. 
as Braun and Kevin just stand in the ring and win by countout in 12-14. Mm-hmm. Quite, the, quite the payoff to your 12-minute investment. Yeah. Well, at least this week it wasn't the main event. Um, no, they had their own finish in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wasn't so, uh, I guess, uh, thrilled with the combination of these four last week. Um, and I, the rematch here with different with a different configuration didn't really grab my interest either. I mean, I do think Braun and Owens are, are pretty entertaining together. But I feel like I've seen a lot of it lately. And I didn't feel like this was enough of a twist to, to freshen things up. We cut to the back, and Kevin Owens, uh, this is after the match. Owens is celebrating. He offers his hand, and then he runs away in fear from Strowman. Strowman then chases after him. Owens runs to the back, and he hides in a closet. So Braun makes his way to the back, and he goes up to one of the extras, and he asks where Kevin Owens is. This guy has no idea who Kevin Owens is, much less his location. Braun describes him as the guy that looks like he has a bowling ball under his shirt. The extra has no idea who this is. So Kevin Owens is an out-of-shape, unknown entity that roams around backstage. That was our conclusion from this segment. Sure. Star-making performance. Back from break, Owens is still hiding in the closet. He comes out of this closet where, uh, amazingly, his luggage was hidden. And he leaves the arena, and we cut to an alternate shot of Owens going up this ramp, and he meets a valet who doesn't have his keys. And there, right to the left of Owens, is Braun standing with the keys. And I don't know if Owens uh, has all of his licensing up to date, but I'm very concerned about his peripheral vision. Mm. How do you miss this guy? This was a wide-open outside area and Braun was just standing there 90 degrees from him. So Braun throws the keys at Owens says, I hope you have insurance. And there is Kevin's car that has been flipped over top. And Braun laughs and returns to the arena as Owens starts sobbing about his rental car. Well, this, this stunt costs a lot more than a camera. They blew through a lot of money for some really, yeah, Unfunny stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was a, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a neat visual gag. Uh, you know, whatever. Like I said, I think Braun, Braun and Owens have some good chemistry together. Uh, I really just don't care to see a match, though. At this, I point. think they're going to keep them as a team for a little while. Oh God! So more, they can't get along. Unlikely duo type of thing where Braun just kind of look at how much Kevin stuff Owens. they. Look at how much stuff they wrote for these two tonight. Yeah. That tells me that and listen, they there's something there between these two. Like I'm not surprised these two can work off each other mm-hmm. well. And what do you have for Braun? I mean, if you are holding him off until say SummerSlam for some involvement in the main event picture, um this might be their little just get through the summer idea with with Braun and Owens. It feels I mean, like last, a lo- it feels like a lot of the show is let's get through this. Let's Endure, everybody, until we get to SummerSlam. Like, realistically, this this Extreme Rules pay-per-view is... I don't even know why Raw's participating in it. Mm. Yeah, You could argue even on the SmackDown side. Like, there's nothing big on this show. There is no Ronda. There is no Brock. Uh, there is 
Like we're doing like Ru- God bless Rusev, but it's just like it's such a pay-per-view that feels like, well, it's our monthly obligation to put matches together um that we promote for a few weeks mm-hmm. on a pay-per-view uh when all the focus is on the following month's SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Uh, on 205 Live Tuesday night, the Lucha House Party takes on Drew Gulak, Brian Kendrick, and Jack Gallagher, plus the debut of Leo Rush. And that takes us to the main oh, event. Oh, wow. Thus. So is he staying on 205? Yeah. Yeah, they've been airing uh, vignettes for him the last couple of weeks, and yeah, they're doing his debut. So okay. um, unfortunately, Leo is not rushing to the main roster in any quick fashion. Dolph Ziggler, Seth Rollins, Intercontinental title, uh, they started their entrances at 10.30 p.m. So you knew they were going very, very long. And they did. Uh, they started off um, really engaging way with a big headlock spot that may have gone three minutes. They went through the first commercial. Um, they hit each other in the ring with a mid-ring collision going for cross-body attempts. And Rollins goes for this dive. Drew nails him from behind. And Ziggler takes over, and this is when the referee ejects Drew McIntyre. So the idea is Rollins has him all to himself now. And before leaving, he hits Drew and Ziggler with a suicide dive. Then we went through a second commercial break. They returned, and immediately Rollins hit the ripcord knee. And Ziggler got his foot on the bottom rope, and this started um, the big spots and all of the kickouts. We saw Rollins tease a powerbomb onto the edge of the apron, which was blocked, and instead Ziggler hit a jumping DDT onto the edge of the apron. Uh, Once upon a time, this uh, nearly murdered uh, Ricky Steamboat, taking a DDT onto the exposed cement, but on the hardest part of the ring, um, this was just like stubbing your toe, uh, the spot. Ziggler set up for a super kick. I mean, have you Uh, seen a New Japan match lately? um, Yeah, it's just It's incredible harder bodies in this era. (laughs) They can withstand so much more. Uh, Ziggler set up for the super kick. Uh, He was caught, hit with a buckle bomb, and he hit his own super kick for a near fall. Jonathan Coachman says it's all upper body strength for Seth Rollins because he's got a bad knee. And Graves points out, well, it wasn't upper body strength when he just ran across the ring with a buckle bomb. Rollins went for the frog splash, hit it, got a big near fall. Zigzag is blocked. Uh, then there were these roll-up exchanges, uh, zigzag for a two-count. What Places- I liked about the roll-up was that, I mean, it was again, it was a callback to the last two matches from last week where uh, Rollins this time, even though Ziggler grabbed his tights, Rollins did not reciprocate because he's, I guess, learned his lesson because it cost him last week. Yeah, I, I noted that too. Uh, Rollins did not grab the trunks. Also, no Elias on this show either. So, I mean, that does go to the theory that if you are throwing this multi-man idea out the window for extreme rules, he feels like someone that doesn't have, at least on this show, had no program. Hmm. Because that was his only direction last week, was trying to get into that match. Uh, Rollins delivers a superplex into the Falcon Arrow and then goes for the pin. Drew McIntyre returns, pulls out the referee, and attacks Seth Rollins for the DQ finish at 28 minutes and 15 seconds, uh, outside of the gauntlet match, this was the longest Raw match of the year. Um, uh, what did you think about it? I mean, they were super into the near falls. Um, did the uh, did the finish uh, work for you or not? Um, to, to be quite honest, like I I don't think I really cared about the result either way. It's I didn't think Rollins was going to win it back. 
Um, you know, to, I, I almost just went into this match just wanting to see the match and not really caring so much about the result because I didn't think we would get any type of conclusion, conclusive result either way. Uh, and I, so I didn't have a huge issue with it. I thought the match was great. I mean, these two, I think you can really count on, uh, Drew being in there with somebody like Seth Rollins, really, sorry, Dolph, I mean, uh, really kind of showcases what Dolph, this guy Dolph Ziggler can really do. And, uh, the match was great. Yes. So it ended there where, uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler are attacking Rollins and then Roman Reigns comes down for the save. Spears Ziggler on the floor and then stares down Drew McIntyre. And uh, that felt like the the focus of this. Like they were really trying to position Reigns with McIntyre and probably kicking that off with some tag match involving these four. Um, they exchanged. Uh, there was a headbutt by McIntyre. Reigns came back with a Superman punch, uh, sending Drew to the floor. And that's how the show ended, um, teasing some kind of tag match between uh, the four here. So, Reigns is locked into several tag matches, it seems like. You've got this, you've got the Revival rematch. Maybe he's going to be a he's going to go on a tag run. Maybe, I guess. Yeah, he's also got Lashley as well. Yep. So, so lots. he's got a lot of things. You know, uh overall to me this was a pretty If I didn't sound that excited about the show is cuz uh, it didn't really inspire me at all. Like I thought it was a very standard show. I didn't have a ton of interest for. Um uh, I think I like I do like the booking of you know somebody like Roman Reigns losing uh, to the revival in order to further his storyline. Although this was the 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 unwilling tag team partners uh, not getting along, just it was just such a cliche by the end of this show. Uh, it seemed very lazily put together. Good crowd though, really good crowd, and I'd say a pretty hot main event. Yeah, I think that the show. I think one of the things it suffered from is that you've got this extreme rules show and it just seems that especially your main event direction uh, isn't there. And it Mm -hmm. just seems kind of all your key players are, you kind of don't know what is being built towards. It just seems like there's a lot of just scattered programs and you're left with this big question mark of what, what are we trying to peak for? And again, that goes to my whole thinking about having, having these pay-per-views in place on the network, it's the structure that this company is so tied to that it kind of, that's how they do their television. It's, we have these four week stories that uh, have this culmination or they extend beyond it. And on a show like this, uh, two of your key stars are gone and you also don't really have a main event on this show that you were building towards. So it was kind of just like a show in a vacuum where you're kind of left, not knowing where where things are progressing, even though there are there are stories going on, it just seems like there there isn't that one big focal point that all the key guys are um, leading up to. To me, a month like this would be a perfect time to run, you know, like what used to be a King of the Ring tournament. Even if you're going to do it throughout several episodes to to build up to your next challenger, just there there's just a a real lack of I think um, importance to these several episodes leading all the way until SummerSlam that I think you need to fill it with something. You need to give it a purpose. And yeah, like you said, the show doesn't really have that right now. Okay, before we go to feedback, here are two final Ronda Rousey tweets that are out there. Oh, great. Yes. Okay. By the way, could Natalia make it more obvious she's going to turn on Ronda? She's awful. And spoiler, I don't give a shit about a Ronda Rousey-Natalia feud because no sane human gives a shit about a Ronda Rousey-Natalia feud. I want to see the R- Ronda in the ring with someone relevant. And then the last one here. 
So Kurt Angle puts Ronda Rousey on a 30-day suspension after attacking Alexa Bliss. This week, he orders Bailey to go to counseling after going apeshit on Sasha Banks. Funny. I don't see Kurt ordering this shit for any of the male wrestlers. Oh, interesting. Sexist Kurt Angle. Yeah. Wow. Suspends a woman and sends the other to counseling. Maybe there's something to that. Yeah, he's clearly got it. Maybe maybe that uh, that Twitter user is onto something. Like maybe this is going to explain Kurt has some kind of inferiority complex, or he's just he's just plain sexist. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That could be it. Maybe that's the Stephanie's going to come back as a babyface. All right, let's go to feedback here. Okay. <laughs> Listen, we have, lot, we have a lot to get to. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yes. What did you think this show way, way was? Okay, well, I'll give my own rating. I give this show... I mean, that that main event I thought was very solid, but overall I give this show probably a 4. 5.2. Wow, very generous. Okay, let's start with Chris from Virginia. After watching the UK Championship Tournament earlier today, Raw was like having a salad after already having the main course and dessert. Raw felt excessive after what I already experienced on the UK show especially that great six-man tag with British Strong Style and the Undisputed Era. The first two hours felt like filler. Lashley and Reigns are still fighting for Lesnar's attention. The Revival are still afterthoughts. The Authors of Pain still have no direction, but at least they're back on TV. I liked how the women had the second hour mostly to themselves, but Alexa has become overexposed, boring on the mic, and I'm beyond caring about Sasha and Bailey. But I felt like the tag match and Ziggler-Rollins in the third hour helped put the show to a five. WWE obviously keeps trying to sprinkle some Rollins dust on Reigns to help get him over with the audience. Raw was not a great overall show, but it had good moments. Brian from Minnesota. It started out slow, and I thought it was going to be another one of those nights, but it picked up around the second hour, and what brought me back in was Bailey beating on Sasha. I've been a huge Bailey fan for years and have been waiting for something like this from her since their feud began. The crowd was definitely behind her as well. However, I'm not too sure where the counseling angle is going to go. I hope they don't ruin the feud again. The Braun Kevin Owens stuff was amusing, and the main event was a fun match. Okay, we go to Chris from Melbourne, Australia. After six months of on and off feuding, we see the natural babyface Bailey just turned heel on the natural heel Sasha Banks, who is now a babyface. But instead of a one-on-one match, we get a mandatory counseling session. This feud can't end soon enough. I really didn't take Bailey as the heel after that segment at all, especially after the segment with Kurt. Yeah, they're just showing aggression. I mean, you would that's you know we would have said the same thing about Sasha, and I really don't peg Sasha as the heel either. They just seem like two. Oh, they've done a terrible job. They really have with 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 both of them. But uh, in the end of it, I would say what they're going for is probably two friends who are still baby faces, but for whatever reason, just don't get along right now. On a side note, I decided to purchase a ticket for WWE Super Showdown. While I didn't purchase the extravagant. Uh, Three thousand five hundred and sixty-eight dollar. Uh, that's in a uh, Australian uh, currency for ringside. I'm just excited to be going, even if it's going to be just like the Greatest Royal Rumble, uh, but with women. Three thirty-five hundred dollars ringside. That is nuts. Somebody will buy it. I guess so. We go to Mark from Vaughn. On the main roster, up is down and, and down is up. So, of course, the only way to salvage something of Bailey after damaging her character is to go heel against Sasha, who is the more natural heel but hasn't been one since being called up. 
Well, I guess it remains to be seen how they follow up. Question, why do you think WWE is so hesitant to try a different approach with Roman after so many years? In the worst case scenario, turning him still results in a split crowd, but at least the stories make more sense. Isn't it time now when people are turning against his matches? Making noise doesn't mean anything if it's not directed at the match itself, but the idea behind the match. We shouldn't be cheering and booing creative. I, I I think they're very happy with the reactions that that Roman Reigns gets, and that's that's totally evident on on how he's he's the centerpiece of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if they if they were upset, they wouldn't be like, look how fast they've just seemingly dropped Jinder. Jinder was a character that was just cold and wasn't getting uh, much of any reaction, and they've just kind of moved on and moved to another person. Now, granted, they didn't have as much invested in gender as they did Roman. Uh, but a year ago, significant. They were pushing gender at, at a huge amount. Uh, and even, I think, in the draft when they brought him to Raw, uh, they had him pegged at a much higher level than he is now. Um, yeah. I believe there's a bit of stubbornness attached to it. I mean, they have spent such a long time, and I feel like, much like it was with John Cena, you know, for years, everybody clamoring to turn him heel. They never did. And I think, in their opinion, Cena turned out fine. Maybe there's a side of them that feels like we could do the same with Roman. We know better. Is it your turn or mine? Oh, yeah, mine. Jay from Colorado. Even though I understand that it comes with the territory, being a wrestling fan, sometimes it's extremely difficult to suspend disbelief for the show. Is there a reason why wrestlers can just walk around destroying the property of their peers in the company? The guy who had his camera destroyed looked mildly annoyed. It's hard to see the Riot Squad as riotous when Braun Strowman is flipping cars. And it's not like... uh, it was Kevin Owens' actual car. It was a rental. Maybe he didn't get renter's insurance. And why the hell did they have a valet? And why does that valet have his own cameraman? One has to assume this poor cameraman is forever stationed with the valet during every show just in case something happens. He must have felt so vindicated tonight for the last decade of uneventful valet spots. It was his chance to shine. Matt from Melbourne. A mostly skippable Raw this week. The Bailey sasha beatdown was decent, but they will probably kill any momentum they gain this week with the terrible canceling skit next week. Question, what type of Extreme Rules match would be fitting for a, the never-ending Bailey sasha feud? Mm. Counseling exercise. They each uh, have to execute a trust fall. Ooh, ex- extreme counseling? Yes. Okay, that's a good one. I would say, uh, how about like... Um, the the winner has to uh like the winner get... goes to NXT. <laughs> I was gonna say the winner has to like get inside one of those inflatable air dolls. What if they the the loser has to uh get uh they have to adopt the other one's entrance? Oh so Sasha loses, she has to forever come out to those inflatable Bailey buddies. Yeah. Wow. And every time she comes out, she'll have to look in disgust at these things that will haunt her for the rest of her career. That sounds extreme, man. Well, that's extreme rules. Brandon from Oshawa. I didn't find this to be too bad. I purposely went out to the gym later so I could come home and fast forward most of the show, but I ended up watching quite a bit. I'm happy to see the, the Lashley that we should have been seeing from the start. I love the stuff with Strowman and Owens. I hope it continues. I'd like to see them win the tag titles. Bailey showed some nice fire. It was the best we've seen of her in ages, and it looks like Drew McIntyre is on the verge of breaking into the main event. Combine that with Jason Jordan and Dean Ambrose returning hopefully soon, and things could get a lot fresher on Raw. 
Question, do you guys remember Shaker Fries from McDonald's in the early 90s? I don't remember if that was the name of them, but basically they gave you fries in a paper bag and you got seasoning with it, such as ketchup or sour cream and onion. I was thinking of those while thinking about McPizza and wondered if anyone else remembered them too. Of course I remember Shaker Fries, do you? I remember them, but I don't remember them being a McDonald's thing. Oh, okay. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But uh, I, I actually don't necessarily remember them from the Canadian McDonald's, but I know in Hong Kong they were a big thing for a long time. And uh, you can even get seaweed-flavored shaker uh, seasoning. It, and That sounds awful. It's, uh, I mean, it's amazing. I guess it depends if you like seaweed or not. It was great. Okay. Dave from Sydney. Some good stuff, but some really bad stuff. Sasha Bailey getting forced into a tag match had me wanting to pull my hair out, but the end of the match beatdown was great. Sadly, I can see Bailey going full emo and joining the Riot Squad. The build, <laughs> the build to the ending of the main event was the biggest letdown in a long time. Why have Roman come down? Uh, why have Roman come down? Because his buddy was hurt. Yeah, that, that's a. I mean, that it should was be Drew, a. It was Drew that that ruined the match. Okay. Uh, he says I opening mean, he segment. Was, he was doing a pretty. Yeah, go ahead. Open. Oh, oh I think you're cutting out, John. Well, uh, it probably <laughs> probably means it's time to end the show. Okay, can you hear me? Now I can. Okay. Well, um, dear Bell, thank you uh, for all that you have done to our. What had been a flawless connection uh, for for so many months. Um, this this has been quite the chore. Uh, so, anyway, uh, that's the end of this show. Yeah. Um, hello. I'm still here. Oh, okay. All right. Do you want to say, say goodbye? Not really, because we're not saying goodbye. We're, join us in the overrun, where I, I assure you our connections will be flawless. All right. All right. That's going to wrap up the show. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, me and Way will be live in person on Tuesday night, so there will be no connection issues on Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, go on over to postwrestling.com, and if you want to hear the bonus edition of the show, uh, go to postwrestlingcafe.com, where we will have our reviews of Total Bellas. We'll chat a little bit about the UK show from Monday, Being the Elite, and anything else that comes up. So uh, go check that out. And if not, we'll speak with you Tuesday night following SmackDown.